Our Father, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for your goodness in our lives. Thank you for the relationship that you want from us, which you are cultivating in us through the entrance of your spirit. And it comes by the entrance of your word. Thank you for that experience. In the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we receive once again the spirit of wisdom from you. We receive the spirit of understanding. We receive the spirit of the fear of the Lord. We receive the spirit of wisdom. The spirit of knowledge. Yes, the fear of God is our delight. Amen. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Amen. As a result of that, we declare as follows. Yes, the declaration. Are you getting my point? Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of His will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, as a result of this, I'm walking in the manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I am bearing fruit in every good work, and I am increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. His word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and is making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 That is encouraging to my faith. Amen. amen. Sometimes when you whisper, your neighbor is not sure you believe. <laughs> <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Can you greet somebody on your left and your right and then take your seats? Greet somebody. Don't just be in a hurry to sit down. Shake somebody's hand. Make the person feel like, yes, this is a good place to come on a Saturday like this. All right, let's read again today from the book of Deuteronomy chapter 32. We read that last time. I said I'm going to pick up from there today. All right, is what the Holy Spirit says that we end up doing, not what we uh, determine. Deuteronomy chapter 32, Moses was speaking. There's a particular verse I want from there, but I just want the whole thing in context. He said, Give ear, O heavens, and let me speak, and let the earth hear the words of my mouth. Let my teaching drop as the rain, my speech let it distill as the dew. As a, pro- as a droplet on the fresh grass, and as it showers on the herb. For I proclaim the name of the Lord. He said, ascribe greatness to our God. Now he now began to describe our God. He said, the rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are just. A God of faithfulness and without injustice, righteous and upright. Is he? Now let's read another portion. I want to read this too before I now start teaching. The book of Job, chapter 36. Job chapter 36. Let's pick something from the words of Elihu there. Again, I read from verse 1. Then Elihu continued and said, Wait for me a little, and I will show you that there is yet more to be said in God's behalf. I will fetch my knowledge from afar. I will ascribe righteousness to my maker. He said, for truly my words are not false. One who is perfect in knowledge is with you. Let me just stop reading here so I don't take too much time. So I read that because of verse 3. He said, I will fetch my knowledge from afar and I will ascribe righteousness to my maker. Now, I want you to notice that line. I will ascribe righteousness to my maker. You will notice something. It was exactly the same thing that um, 
Well, not exactly the same thing. Moses said that, ascribe greatness. That's also Moses said. Ascribe greatness to our God. And now describe God. He is the rock. His work is perfect. All his ways are just. He is a God of faithfulness and without injustice. Say righteous and upright is this our God. Now we have been looking at this sub-matter of um, being um, agents of faith and light. Now these are the main texts we are going to use for today, which I tried to begin last time as we are concluding. Uh, But I want to clearly use a a particular principle, something in the scriptures. I want to try and explain what we are doing again and what we are as individuals. I keep on saying this because you see you must understand what your life is about. You must understand what God made you for. You must understand some of the functions that he expects you to perform. And don't forget, he is going to judge you for all of these things. I always get to this once in a while. Let me do it again. The matter of grace. Grace does not mean God overlooks all your faults. Grace does not mean that no matter what you do or refuse to do, there will be no consequences. That is not the meaning of grace. That is not the meaning of grace. Grace means that if you confess your sins, you will be forgiven. That is grace. Grace means that if you want to walk away from a sin, you have the power to do it. Grace means that sin does not have dominion over you anymore. Grace means that you cannot, I mean, you don't have any excuse to say you are addicted to something. Grace means that no matter how addictive heroin or cocaine is, if you have been on it for years, and then you come to know Jesus, you understand? If you say, no, not anymore. Grace means that you can walk away from it and cocaine will not have dominion over you. That's what grace means. Grace means that even though I was lazy, when I gave my life to Christ, I become hardworking. That's what grace means. Grace means that I can refuse to love the world. I can refuse. Grace means that Satan can come to me with temptation and I will overcome him every time like Jesus my Lord did. That's the meaning of grace. I hope you are getting my point. Grace does not mean, like one of my brothers said, it is a man who works in his office, a pastor in the church. Can you believe that? A pastor in the church, yet is a womanizer and everybody knows. When it's coming this way, the women will pass the other side. He said, he goat is coming. <laughs> did I get it right? He's coming. <laughs> he said, the guy is coming. Can you believe and is a pastor of the branch of a big denomination. That's not the problem. The problem is that he said that the fact that we are pastors does not mean we are holy. That this is not planning to repent. Grace, as far as it's concerned, means that it's my flesh that is sinning. My spirit is pure. That is a lie. I hope you know that. Grace does not mean I believe in any way I like and God says it's okay. You know, I was in fact, Apostle, where is Steve? Now remind me of this, all right? You two of you remind me that I said I want to compile some warnings that were given specifically to Christians. Not just in the book of Revelations. I found out that when the Bible was, when it said the Lord our God is a consuming fire, it was a warning to Christians to watch how they behaved. We make it look as if he's warning the world. He wasn't warning the world. He was warning the church. You guys be careful, and it was, if you see what he was warning them about, he was warning them, look, see, on things like don't go back to the synagogue because you want to belong. And that was when he said, the Lord our God is a consuming fire. 
And he said, it is written, the Lord will judge his people. He wasn't talking about the world. Every warning written, you find in the New Testament, was to Christians. Let me say to you straight. Once saved, always saved is a lie. It can't be true. It is not true. Listen, this is the answer to that question. Can a Christian lose his salvation? I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe yes. I don't know. But can he throw it away? Yes. Are you getting my point? Can he throw it away by his lifestyle? Yes. Can he throw it away by his own belief? Yes. Can he disregard and do despite to the blood of Jesus that saved him? Yes. And already than the book of Hebrews, he wonders hmm, that you cross certain points, you will look for repentance. Your case will be like that of is this, um, Esau, and you will not find occasion for it. Let's be careful. Let's not joke. Let's not joke. Let's not joke. The Lord is good. Now, you know, I don't, I keep on get, I get into that once in a while. All right? <laughs> Those of keep on warning people. Okay? Because I believe that God isn't going to start judging people. All right. Let him, he looks at you, let him give you a good handshake. Well done. Good and faithful servant. That's a better one. Rather than say, Jesus, no matter what I did, I know your grace is sufficient for me. No. It's better for him to see you and say, well done. Good and faithful servant. Now, back to the point I'm trying to make. All right? So, Grace does not mean that we do anything we like. No, that's not what it means. So we must know exactly what God requires from us. Our lifestyle, the way we walk, is important to him. It's very crucial we get that point. It's important to him. Now, what I want to bring out before I get into the main thing for today is in this area of what we are supposed to be doing. I want us to remember something. What we are saying is that we are the ones that are supposed to be injecting faith and light into the environment. This earth you are walking on, you know, the more I reason, the more I realize that don't, don't follow scientists too much. Be careful when you are following them. The things they say a lot of times, you know, once you start with this earth is a mistake, you can never have understanding. Because the Bible makes it clear to us, it is only through faith that we understand. It's important. You know, this earth that we are on, they are walking, it has sensors. It can feel how we are behaving, those of us that are on it. That's how the Lord designed it. Are you getting my point? You know why you vomit a lot of times? It's when your stomach is irritated. Do you understand? That's why if a child drinks something that you think is poisonous, even an adult, one way by which you can induce vomiting is simple. Put salt, plenty of salt into water and make the fellow drink it. The concentration of salt will always induce vomiting. Yes, because when the salt hits the stomach, the stomach says, what is this? No, that's it. everybody that drinks your water, they vomit. Because the stomach can't stand it. That's how it is. So when you do things that irritate your stomach, it vomits. Alright? Now I'm not telling you to treat everything like that. They are, because there are times they tell you that when the child does something, don't induce vomiting. Because when he's vomiting, he may inhale. That now becomes a worse problem. Don't, don't, I didn't come here to teach you medicine. I'm trying to teach you some principles of life. If a child drinks kerosene, don't induce vomiting. You'll give him pneumonia. Rush him to hospital. The doctor knows what to do. <laughs> All right? Uh, it's true. Let's get that one clear. Because I'm say, oh, go home now. Oh, carry salt. Say, Junior, what did you drink? Drink this salt. <laughs> that just by the way. All right, the Lord is good. Now, this point I'm making away from that. So this earth also, we can irritate it. And when we irritate the earth, it starts vomiting. You know how it vomits? Earthquakes. That's how the earth vomits. Quickly open your Bible to it, and let me see whether we can quickly get there. Leviticus, let's quickly read this. Chapter 18. 
He said in verse 24, do not defile, that's Leviticus chapter 18, in verse 24. Now let me just start from up a bit. Let me start from verse, or let me start from verse 20. You shall not have intercourse with your neighbor's wife to be defiled by, with her. You shall not give any of your offspring to offer them to Molech, nor shall you profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. You shall not lie with a male as one lies with a woman. It is an abomination. No matter how acceptable it is in your environment, it is an ab- abomination. Now, I just added that last line. I hope you know that. <laughs> Verse 23, he said, Also you shall not have intercourse with any animal to be defiled with it. Nor shall any woman stand before an animal to mate with it. It is a perversion. Now, in verse 24, it now says this. Do not defile yourselves by any of these things. For by all these, the nations which I am casting out before you have become defiled. For the land has become defiled. Now, notice that. These things, the people themselves were defiled. Then the next thing, the land became what? Defiled. Therefore, I have brought its punishment upon it. And the land has spewed out its inhabitants. But as for you, you are to keep my statutes and judgments and shall not do any of these abominations. Neither the native, nor the alien who was sojourns among you. For the men of the land who have been before you have done all these things and the land has become defiled. So that the land will not spill you out should you defile it. Are you seeing that? That when you begin to defile the land, the land starts vomiting. Alright? That's what it means to spew out. As it has spewed out the nations which has been before you. Now, let me just stop reading here. There's a principle that is there, and that's the fact that we can defile the environment. There are many ways you defile an environment. You can see them listed here. Listen, no matter how developed the country is, you can defile the environment. You can defile the environment. Now, I was reading my Bible the other day. I don't have the reference of it. I have it written somewhere. That God, David was speaking, that God judged the nations and erased the memory of them. I don't know what I heard what I said. That God judged the nations and erased the memory. That is why till now, many things cannot be explained. Because, you see, the other day I was reading about the pyramids. Somebody said the technology, the understanding with which the pyramid, in fact, this particular one, the great pyramid in a, is it Pisa in Egypt, uh-huh, that that one, you see, the technology with which it was built till now, human beings can't understand it. That it was aligned, all right, the one particular axis was aligned to the true knot. Now, what they call the true knot, I don't have time to explain it now. It's, it's, you know, like it's geography and um, astro, uh, it's astronomy, yes. It's aligned to the true knot to a particular degree, all right, which is better than that of a modern building built in Greenwich, you know, Green, you've heard of Greenwich meantime. Um, in Greenwich meantime, yes, meantime. If that one got it to like five over 1,000 of a degree, the Egyptians got it to three over 1,000 of a degree. Can you believe that? In These pyramids were built long ago. Thousands of years ago. The point is they have not been able to find anything that they wrote to explain how they built it. Somebody described that if you see the arrangement of the chambers inside, that whatever architect designed that thing was out of this world. I read it. And you know people have tried to explain how. That the blocks they used, one block will weigh seven tons. And they will carry this block many flights. Ah, how did they? We assume that we invented hydraulic presses and all of that. He said those guys were carrying seven-ton blocks, not one, not two. They can have like 20 of them that they put on top of a pyramid. 
And that the way they shaped the edges of the pyramid, it was designed to reflect light you could see on the moon. That at night, you look down at the earth, it look like the earth has a star. Because by the time they designed the edges, they coated it with a reflective material. And when men checked, they said, this thing would have been visible from outer space. This is the point. Who built it till now? Nobody knows. When I read it, I said, Jesus is Lord. David said, God judged men and erased their memory. Don't be impressed by any country. Countries as advanced as the European countries today, they've existed before. God judged them and wiped out their memory. We don't know they exist. They ever existed. See, you know, the more I read, <laughs> read your Bible, forget all this lie they tell to you. Read scriptures. All I'm going to say, when people pollute lands, that's why I don't understand. You, you know, the problem that we don't believe. If we believed, there are places you would not want to commit your descendants to in the name of prosperity. They are not the first place to prosper. Listen to me. Listen to me. When these people that God was going to judge, when did, listen, when Israel was coming, Israel met fortified cities. Israel met prosperity. Israel met agriculture, the type they had never seen. People will be telling you that how many of you went to church? Look at how advanced their countries are. They don't talk like a fool. Read your Bible. These people were denying God, but when Israel came from Egypt and saw agriculture, they bowed. They said, the cities are fortified to heaven. You know, that's what they said. That is the, they will stand like this and look at the walls of the city. And it looked as if it enters into the, you know, into its face. That's what they said, we can't take the land. But thank God was done with them. Even till now. Historians and archaeologists will be doubting that those things really occurred. God so wiped out the memory of them. People can pollute a land so bad that God does it again. I'm not speaking as a prophet, which means I can be wrong. But I am convinced in a short while, the judgment of God will hit this earth again and it will start wiping people out. Forget this noise that devil does something. The devil does not know how to wipe people out where God is walking. He, no, he doesn't. Who wiped away the whole earth? People say, I was saying to one man I respect yesterday, he said, the devil is the one God. Never, I just said, God preach another message. Listen, listen to me. It was God that wiped out all the inhabitants of the earth and spared only a man in a boat with his family. It was not the devil. Let's sit on my main message. My message is that we, we can pollute the earth. One of the things that pollute the earth the most is the blood of the innocent. I know what? Unborn children, God calls them innocent. So when people shed their blood on a daily basis and they call it choice, <laughs> God said this land is being polluted. The issue with God is that it takes time. Do you know Noah built his ark for over a hundred years? That's why people take the law for granted. The earth gets polluted. And many times they have reached pollution to a particular level. God will look about to pour judgment and he will count ten righteous people and he will suspend his judgment. But it's not as if the ten righteous, let me say something to you, the ten righteous cannot keep the judgment away forever. They also have time. They have time in which their light had better spread. If you can't remain ten righteous forever, they have to be twenty. They have become thirty. They have to become a hundred. They have to become a thousand. If they don't do that, eventually, God, the best he will do is to remove the ten righteous and still wipe the place. Still, he will still, listen, he will still write them off. You know, I've made, I've, after reading my Bible, I've made up my mind that the history of this earth can only be found in the scriptures. Most of the things you read outside, they are lies. 
You know, we don't see dinosaurs anymore. I know they are not, they have not been extinct for as long as the, the scientists tell us. It's not true. Job knew the dinosaur. I've shown you from scriptures. And I read one day, the Bible said one day I'm coming to judge Leviathan. That this was God that one day he said, wipe out those big beasts. I don't need them anymore. Scriptures. <laughs> the best place to get your history is your Bible. I said Christians don't believe. When you hear them talk sometimes, they want to go and hide. When they can see people polluting the earth, brazenly. Listen, when people are brazen in their pollution of the earth, their judgment is closer than ever before. Because this is what God does. Listen, you are doing things in secret. God sometimes gets into a hurry. Yes, he does that. Sometimes it gets into a hurry. People are doing things in secret. They are hiding. They are hiding it. He tells Abraham, the iniquity of the Amorite is not yet full. Now, the concept of being an Amorite then was just to represent all the Gentile nations in that area. So he said, let me move you guys out. All right? You'll move out for a while. Now, a time comes in which God says, I need this iniquity to be full quickly. Because he must always be just in what he does. So what he does is this. He gives them over to foolishness. They've now become brazen in what they used to do in secret. All God is doing is, I said, their cup will be full quicker. I was telling my wife the other day, I said, after thinking about it, either I believe in Jesus or I don't. If I believe in him, then I, the simple understanding his principles. I know this earth should be careful. Europeans should be careful. Jesus is coming for them very soon. Listen, Sadhu Sundar Selvara says something. He said, <laughs> one day told the Americans, pray for your country. What was his issue? He said, the day the Supreme Court legalized homosexual marriages by you know, vote of five to four, he said, you must understand that they represented the elders of the land. He said, then Barack Obama now carried it further. He now painted the color of the LGBT on the now, you know, the White House is white. So now painted the color with, with light. All right. The light of the LGBT people was shown upon, um, the White House. He said, what you guys just did was to give God the finger. And he shook. He said, like, guys, you have to pray for your country. In fact, he said that when Donald Trump was elected president, he said it was a sign of God's mercy. That if Hillary Clinton had won the election, then their judgment would have come quicker. You know, I, <laughs> I told my wife the other day, I said, maybe, either we believe in this Jesus or we don't. If we do, then we have to recognize who he is. He is the judge of this earth. All right? And you know, I've said it many times. He's patient. He's long-suffering. He's different from his ever-suffering. Let nobody preach a gospel of grace to you that says he does not judge people. And this is the order. The first time, listen, when you know God is about to really deal terribly with the earth, it's when things start going wrong with the church. When pastors start, start dying, start having scandals, churches start splitting, and you start seeing a lot of terrible things happening in the church of Christ. It's a warning for the world. Because God is saying that if I do this inside my own house, what do you think I will do to the rest of you? And he has a principle. Judgment must begin in his house. That's why they say call out now again to Christians. Purify yourself. Listen, let me tell you the truth. Grace will not be able to save you when Jesus comes for you. He's a lot of grace. So when he has come for you, what is going to happen? You can't plead his name against him. You, look, believe us, you can't be walking carelessly. Jesus gets angry. And let me tell you the truth. Go and tell pastors that are preaching lying grace. Listen, God will take them out one by one when he's tired of them. So you have lied to my people enough. You could, come on, go and lie down there and sleep. And you know when you say lie down and sleep? You know what I mean by that? If you're a preacher, watch what you say on the pulpit. Purify your words. Because listen, it's not only the sin that Ahab and Jeroboam committed that was the problem. It was the one they made Israel to do. When you want to preach your grace, preach it very well. Read your Bible. Let Christians understand the truth. 
they must live in the fear of God. You know, we grew up those days, they told us that, you see, you shouldn't fear God like you fear a rattlesnake. God is your father, he loves you. Have you given me father? And I realized something. You can love somebody and fear him at the same time. Fear God. They said, the word fear means reverence. It's a lie. It's a lie. The word fear means to be afraid. <laughs> Read it in Greek, it means to fear. Read it in Hebrew, it means to fear. Read it in English, it is fear. Any language you read it in, it is fear, which means tremble before the Lord. It simply means that when you want to do something, you say, ah, if God catches me. That's what you say. Hey, if God catches me, I beg you. That's what it means. The people that should set the example for the fear of God is Christians. They're not the ones that should be living loose. Who are you now teaching? Inviting them to what? Who should fear God more? The unbeliever or the Christian? You know what God was called in the life of Isaac? The fear of Isaac. Jacob described God. He called him the God of Abraham and the fear of Isaac. Go and read it. That was what he told Laban. He said, were it not that God, the God of my father Abraham and the fear of Isaac was with me? I heard the reference interpret that. He said, what, what do you mean? He said, what, do you know what that means? He said, it means that when people observed Isaac, there was a way he lived, they knew he was afraid of somebody. You did not have to sign a contract with Isaac. He would not defraud you. Why? He feared God too much. He didn't love money so much as to steal from you. He was afraid of God. You could trust Isaac's words when you are relating with him. Why? He was afraid of God. In case you do not know, that was what preserved Joseph. He said, if I do this terrible thing, I will have sinned against who? Your husband? No. He didn't tell Mrs. Potiphar your husband. He was not afraid of Potiphar. <laughs> he said, wherever we hide, the God I serve is seeing me there. I don't want him to kill somebody. Because if I do, he's coming after me. Listen, let nobody know. It is annoying. What will try to pass across to you and say is grace. They say, Ananias and Sapphira were not Christians. That's why God killed them. Do what they did. Then when you are dead, we know whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian. Nonsense. Nonsense. Rubbish. Rubbish preaching. No, total rubbish preaching. For me, why do you have to explain that they were not Christian? Because you want to tell Christians that God will never kill you. No matter how much you lie to the Holy Spirit. Listen to me, child of God. God will kill you if you lie to the Holy Spirit. Don't believe anybody that tells you otherwise. It's making you too comfortable with iniquity. Nonsense. I mean, why would anybody try to prove to me that Anaya was not a Christian and Safira was not a Christian? That was why God, why were they in the church in the first place? You know, do you get what I'm saying? Why are we trying to argue the point? That is to us, it is impossible for God to have treated his children like that. That's not true. I thought about it too. I said, this is, I heard a preacher say one. That's why I don't listen to him so much. He's a man, I love some of his messages. I've recommended some of them. You know, you know there are people, many people I recommend, so don't worry about it. He said, I used to say that one day God is going to judge America. He said, now I realize that God cannot judge America because if he judges America, he has to explain to Jesus. Did you hear that? That God is not going to judge America. Otherwise, he has to explain to Jesus Christ. I have news for him. Go and tell him if you can, Israel. Tell him that God will not judge America. I agree with him 100%. It is Jesus that will judge America. That way, he won't have to explain to anybody. (laughs) 
And Jesus said it himself, the, ju- the father judges no man. He said he has committed all judgment to the son. So let's not lie. The man said he used to preach that if God does not, if God does not judge America, he has to, exp- he has to uh, apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, now I realize that if God judges America, he has to apologize to Jesus. I said, man of God, I don't know the Bible you read. Anyway, God will not judge anybody. Jesus will judge them by himself. That way he doesn't have to apologize to anybody. I died for you, I killed you. Have you? <laughs> when I died for you, became my property. I do anything, I don't owe anybody any explanation. Please, people of God, I don't know which Bible we read. I have read my Bible again and again. The Bible does not even imply that in any way. What I see here and there, again and again, are warnings. He will tell us about the grace of God. I now say, don't receive it in vain. That's what he used to say. If you look at the abundance of grace, say so let's not receive it in vain no, because it is a terrible thing to fall into the hand of the living God. And he was writing to believers, not unbelievers. People of God, back to our main message. The earth gets polluted by the actions of people. When you see pollution, you know, why do people like to run into the center of pollution? If God has not judged, it's because it's called long-suffering. It's called what? Long-suffering. He's patient. He doesn't like to destroy people. He does not like to judge. But he has to. It's part of being righteous. In the period of long-suffering, what is he looking for? Repentance. And let me tell you something about God. Let me not forget to paint this other side of him. He's very, 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 very merciful. He's very merciful. One thing about mercy means that he gives time and he gives warnings. It does not reduce the intensity of his anger. He just gives time that men might repent. And the moment they repent, oh God, this is a part of his mercy, even me, I don't understand. He so blesses the people because they repented that you'll be wondering whether the sin was necessary for the blessing. That's how much he loves repentance. Some people will repent, eh? God will so bless them. That's why you can't judge people though, looking from a distance. Sometimes they have repented inside. They have changed. You are still remembering them of 10 years ago. So you are waiting for them to die. They ain't going to die. They start living longer. They are prospering some more. That is what is called mercy. Mercy does not mean that any bad thing you do goes. God just allowed. No. It means when you repent, God will so forgive you and so bless you. Those who were righteous before, they'll be wondering, ah, this righteousness, why did we have to do it for this long? If you can do your own for one hour and get this amount of blessing. It's called the mercy of God. That's what is called mercy. He's that merciful. Look at what happened in Nineveh. He was he said Nineveh, their, their iniquity was plenty. Forty days they were destroyed. The king heard it. Yes. Because they saw Jonah as he came out of the belly of the fish. That was why they believed him. They said this must be a son of the gods. Imagine you're, you're on the shore one day. You're washing your net after fishing. The one big fish just comes, shakes everything. All of you run to one side. Then, ah! Oh, and one guy jumps, <laughs> arrives from inside the fish, cleans his nose, washes his body with water. All of you are looking at him. Then you disappear <laughs> into the city. And then you see the same man walking around. So 40 days hence, <laughs> you will be destroyed. You will believe him. <laughs> believe me, you will believe him. <laughs> but you see, they repented. Even Jonah was shocked. 
at the amount of mercy that God showed to them. Do you know Ahab repented for one hour? God changed judgment. God had said what he was going to do to him. Ahab went home and started crying. And God said, look at how Ahab has humbled himself before me. He's very merciful. And that's what many times people misunderstand. They misinterpret his mercy. They think it means he does not judge. No. Mercy means I'll give you time to repent. Why does he withhold judgment? He's just hoping as many as possible will use that period to repent. But when he releases judgment, it's usually too late for repentance. Rock, fall on us. He said, do not fall on you. I will deal with you myself. Say, Lord, we are sorry. He says, too late. The time to say sorry has gone. That's why he says, seek the Lord while he may be found. They say, while? For finding him. Christians don't believe. When I see the way they talk sometimes, it's so annoying. It's so annoying. So these people, the country is very good, you know? Yeah, no. Let me give my children a future. I say, you don't believe in God. Now, you can give your children anything you like. Give them a future. Give them a past. Give them tomorrow. Give them today. Give them yesterday. It's your problem, not mine. Are you getting my point? But what I want to say is that if indeed you believed in God, why do you make use economy determination? You ignore spiritual climate when you are making a destiny for your children. Are you okay? If I if, if, if I had budgeted for my wife to go and deliver in a country like um, is it Ireland, so that she can become an Irish citizen, the child she's giving birth to, and I watch the news, and I hear that they just voted referendum, said now we are legalizing homosexual marriages. I'll tell my wife, tear that ticket, you're not going anywhere. Why? I'm afraid of the judgment of God because it will come. Why would I tell my wife to tear the ticket? I know there are things you will do. And judgment will come. You may say, look at, eh, look at this country. They have well developed. Listen to me. Israel was coming from a wilderness and took cities from people that were well developed. And God erased their memory. Forget the fact that they were, they were, they were, they were well developed. The land was, br- listen, the Bible says it was flowing with what? Milk and honey. And these guys got in there. They saw Food, the type you see today in Europe and North America. What is new? And nobody know. We Christians, we don't care. What we want is passport. Citizens of this earth. Citizens of the earth. That's what we are in our hearts. We don't believe in heaven. We don't believe in God. We don't believe in sovereignty. We don't believe, we don't fear him. We don't believe he can do anything. We have more fear. More respect for United Nations than we have for God. Listen, no human being, none, can plan his nation. It's not possible. America did not develop because they are smart people. I hope you are getting my point. They did not develop because they are smart people. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. The development is God. And the Bible says when he withdraws his spirit, they expire. So listen to me. I don't, you want, I've made up my mind in this life. I, listen, I will follow Jesus till I die. Yes. And when I say till I die, I don't mean till I'm 100 and year, um, 10 years old and die or 120. That's not what I mean. I mean, I will follow him intensely. So if he kills me at the age of 50, fine. I'm not saying I want to die at 50. But I'm not explaining to you what I mean that till I die. That following him, if it kills, let it kill me. Because I cannot bring my hope 
and place it anywhere else. This life is senseless if you don't know God. And he has revealed himself in his son, Jesus Christ. I was talking to my wife, you know, today we're discussing something in the morning. I said, listen, as I don't understand how, you know, I don't blame Boko Haram for saying Boko is Haram. Because when you read some of the things that people want me to believe, it is Haram. It's pure Haram. What do I mean? Let me tell you what the world teaches today. And you think Jesus will tolerate it forever. He won't tolerate it for a very long time. This is what they teach. That once upon no time. You know, there's once upon a time. But once upon no time. Because time had a beginning. Alright? So that's why I can say no time. So, no time. Once upon no time. There was nothing. And because there was no time and there was nothing, there was nowhere. And nothing was happening to nothing in no place at no time. Then it exploded. And everything was formed. If you believe that, God has removed your brain. I don't care whether you are about Einstein. You know, it's now I understand what the Bible says. Say a foolish man. You have to be a fool to believe that. And that's what somebody wants me to accept. You don't get it. There was nobody. There was no time. There was nowhere. There was no reason. There was just nothing. Then suddenly, nothing happened. To the, nothing happened. Then it exploded. Have you ever seen something explode without anything happening? And then the explosion was so great, it formed everything. It was just energy. Energy now formed matter because Albert Einstein said E is equal to MC squared. And they form the most basic of, you know, particles. And then the particles combine, you no, know, and they keep on seeing the one that's most basic. Before, when I was in secondary school, if in reality was atom had been broken to what? Hydrogen, uh, sorry. Proton, and uh, neutrons in the nucleus, electrons circulating around it. Then by the time I was finishing university, the neutron and proton had been broken into quarks or something. And then they give it name red, blue, and green. And they are not really colors, they are just names. Because they are so small, they cannot have colors. You need to be able to, anyway, long story. And then one day, one man says there's Higgs boson. Finally, let's make a long story. They keep on coming down to the smallest particle. And I keep like laughing. You know, I went ahead of them. Later, they've gotten to where I am right now. You understand? He said, where, where were you? I said, Jesus said, the Bible says like this, in the beginning. You know, the Bible said, let there be what? Light. So that was the substance with which he created everything. It's in the scriptures. People are going to discover it after a long time. They keep on looking and looking till they get there. And they tell me it came out of nothing. And listen to me. God said, by the time you are reasoning like that, it's because I've given you over to stupidity. That you can't reason straight anymore. And I want another sign is that you now wake up in the morning. Instead of, you know, People now, instead of people, men liking women, they start liking men. Then they campaign, and God allows them to win. This is all insulting Jesus Christ. And listen to what I'm trying to say. And you think he will keep quiet forever. I have news for you. No, he will not. He's getting tired. And he's allowing people to hasten their iniquity so he can judge them faster. And then I will now, the more I see nonsense going on, the more people now say, have your children there so they can have you a future. 
Either your brain or mine is not working. Both of our brains cannot be working at the same time. Is that your own or my own? Let's just leave it like that. I see a place where people, they, 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 they use petrol to mop their floor. And the janitor smokes. And they say it's the best boarding house in the world. The school is so good, your 10-year-old will be doing advanced calculus. That's how good the teachers are. And by the age of 12, they know history entirely. By 13, they can be governors of states. By 20, they can be presidents. By 25, they will win Nobel Prizes. That's how good this secondary school is. So what do I do? You bring your children to us to train for you. Then I get there. I see <laughs> the cleaner is using what? Petrol. Petrol to mop the floor. And the janitor is smoking. I don't care how good your school is. I'm carrying my children to Akara school. Yes. Because there, the hostel will not catch fire one day and kill everybody. Are you getting the analogy? But know the truth? We don't believe anything. We don't believe in spiritual things. Our Bible is, we don't, we think it's a joke. We think everything is written in codes that it cannot be understood and they don't have meaning. If they did, there are places, no matter the prosperity, there are places you will not want to go to. Because believe me, people of God, except, I think I should add this one to it, except God grants them a revival in your lifetime, not under lifetime, in your lifetime, God will judge many of those places. I don't know why you want your children to be in the center of the judgment. Because that's what's going to happen. I'm talking about the fact that people pollute the earth. They do. And what pollutes the earth is written in scriptures. Sexual immorality, perversion, it pollutes the earth. It does. The blood of the innocent pollutes the earth. One thing that keeps the earth is when God is able to count ten righteous people. And Sodom and Gomorrah is spared. And I'm back to my message. What are they supposed to do? They are supposed to infuse the earth with salt. They are the salt of the earth. I'm back to my message now. That's actually the main thing I was trying to get to. What does salt do? It prevents decay. What does salt do? It suspends the judgment of God. What does salt do? It brings the righteousness of God, that is the goodness of God into the place. That's what salt does. I hope you're getting my point. And what I'm trying to say is this. Even though around you, I'm not saying the country you're living in is perfect. I'm just trying to say, know how you judge things. The fact that National Assembly will still outlaw homosexual marriage and homosexual practices. He's just saying that our cup is far from being full. That's what he says. That's what he says. There are little things like that. The fact that our children will still go to school and by Nigerian law, you must learn religious studies is a sign that our cup is far from being full. The fact that I will go to class and I will speak and nobody will report me to anybody and I will feel threatened. And I will say the good Lord in his infinite mercies and everlasting kindness designed the human cell like this. That's what I do when I'm teaching. I will say God in his infinite wisdom, everlasting kindness and eternal mercies has designed in such a manner that when you heal the body, arteries behave like this, capillaries behave like this, cells behave like this. I said, look, and I will not say jokingly, if you believe this happened by chance, 
go and have your brain checked. And the whole class will laugh. And nobody can report me to anybody. If you say that in Harvard, in one lecture, you get fired the next day. I hope you know, I hope you know what I'm saying is true. And in case you don't know, Harvard, Harvard and I think I'm Princeton were theological colleges. Some of them were set up to teach ministers of the gospel. Now mention the name God there. They fire you. DSCV called me the other day. We have a problem. I said, wait, wait, wait. I said, hello, is that Mr. I said, wait, is that DSTV? The guest said, yes. I said, don't call me again. I've warned you people to stop calling me. We have this promo. I said, my dear sister, I know you are doing your job. But let me explain something to you. I am not interested in your promo. She said, why? I said, because you are wicked people. She said, why? I said, if I mention the name God, you beep it out. Watch home with African magic. Oh my, me? That's what you hear. Yet, you gather young boys and young girls, you say it's big brother Nigeria. And they'll be having sex on TV, and you think it is okay. You say we should watch it at 12 midnight. It's adults, adults sin. May God punish you and burn your station. I told the girl, don't call me again. He said, thank you, sir. I said, God bless you. Bye-bye. I says my protest. I'm refusing to pay you money. That is my reason. I went to preach somewhere over yesterday. I told them, if you want Big Brother Africa, Big Brother Nigeria, or Big Brother anything, in Jesus' name, your best cloth will tear. <laughs> your phone will not work again. And I'm just helping you. What nonsense. In our country, I can use the name God anywhere. In fact, what I say, God, anyway. <laughs> our national anthem and our pledge, Nigeria pledge, is not to God. Standard number two, I hope you know, under Good Lord Jonathan, some years ago, it was declared to, so avoid confusion. It was declared at the official prayer for every national event. So they don't want which pastor will pray, which imam will pray. No, everybody let us pray. Oh God of creation, direct our noble cause. Guide thou our leaders right and help our youth the truth to know, to know. In love and honesty and truth to grow and living just and true. Great lofty heights attain to build a nation where peace and justice shall reign. One day somebody was complaining. He said, how can I say we can't say the name of Jesus? I didn't did, did, did say so. When they finished saying it, I added my own in Jesus' name. Amen. I sat down. I said, why do we fight over everything? <laughs> this is not a church event. It's a national event. The Muslim will now say Fatia and sit down. Anyone you like used to end it. But as a nation, we still say, Oh God of creation. The day I will tell you, pack out of America and run, is if they finally manage to get the legislation to remove from their currency, in God we trust. The day they do that, I will say to you like a prophet, get out from amongst her because she's defiled and her judgment is about to come. Because God normally gives signs of when terrible things are going to happen. You say, when you see the armies gathered around Jerusalem, know how desolation is near. There are things you will see. Say, when you see an, the abomination that makes desolate disappear, because great tribulation is about to start. There are things you will see. You take them as signs. What you don't have is good road, constant power, which you don't realize they are building every day. You'll be so focused on now. Why can't Christians even have a future way of reasoning? 
Their faith is not in God, it's in human, in human beings. And listen, this is the word of God. Cursed is the man who trusts in flesh. What's the message we are preaching, my people? It is our duty to inject salt into our environment. We do that. That's why we're agents of faith and light. Everywhere God wants to bless, he sends people, say, go and inject goodness into that place. Don't be deceived by outward prosperity. It is not the number one sign of God's blessing. Sodom and Gomorrah prospered until the day that fire fell from heaven. I hope you get my point. Until that day, they were in abundant prosperity. When God sends famine, and God sends hunger, it's warning, it's not judgmental. <laughs> I don't know whether you're getting my point. When God sends famine and hunger, it's no warning. When judgment comes, it's fire that falls from heaven. Until Israel walks into the promised land and began to wipe the people out, they were prospering. Don't be impressed by physical prosperity. Please don't be. So we are the agents of light. We are the agents of faith. We pour faith as a substance into our environment. We pour the light of God into our environment. It's our assignment. As we are walking around, listen to me, those who are doing iniquity, they don't have to say, come, let us pollute the earth. Are you getting my point? They just do what they do and the earth is polluted. In the same manner, when we are cleansing the earth, we just do what we do. What does salt do? What does it need to do to change the taste of food or to preserve the food? Nothing. Just be present. Just be present in the right proportion. Be present in the right quantity. That's all salt needs to do. It doesn't have to do anything special. Once it is salt, it will work. That's one part of it Christians must understand. Just by being you, a true believer in Christ Jesus, by doing, just doing your normal works of righteousness, you are affecting the environment where you live. That's what, I, that's what we are teaching. And this, you know, I said there are two sides. There's a passive way of doing it. And there's an active way. And the active one is the kind of thing we are doing now. Just speaking the word of God to people. When you speak the word of God now, you are acting as an apostle of Christ, as a messenger of Christ in your environment, teaching the truth of God to people. That's another active way of pushing the blessing, the light, the salt of Christ into the environment. And that we must continually do. That we must continually do. We'll be looking at that again and again. Now, the one I began to, which is what I'm trying to sit on, I tried it last time, and it didn't work. I'm trying it again today now. I don't know whether it's working, but let's see. And then let me just get back to the ones, the things we read before. Alright, so, this is how we walk by faith. That's what I'm talking about. As we are walking by faith, we are releasing the spiritual vibes into the environment, cleansing the earth. We are agents of faith. One thing I want us to understand, you know, I, I said two things now, walking normally by faith and speaking the words of faith, active way that will push things out. And one of the things we Christians must bear in mind and live by and speak by is what we are talking about. The fact that God, you know, we said that ascribe greatness to our God. That's one. Number two, we read from Job, uh, from Elihu's words in the book of Job. He said, I will draw my knowledge from afar, and I will do what? I will ascribe righteousness to my maker. Two things there. One, greatness. 
to righteousness. Now, this is I'm saying. Please, Christians, they must form the way by which you talk. Remember, we started this actually a few meetings ago by reading from Hebrews chapter 11, where he said, by faith we understand that the words were framed by the word of God. So that what we see now did not come out of things that are visible. Let me explain that again. Faith, as we said, reading from that, without it, we don't have any understanding. Everything I've said today, all right, as I was teaching about the history of the earth, of the human race and all of that, there are things I learned by faith. No history book told me those things. But I just look and I say, how could nothing, once upon a no time, no going nowhere, with nobody to incite anything, and no reason, there was no reason, yet nothing exploded, and this whole universe was formed. It makes no sense. The only thing that makes sense is things like, who is the true God? Has he ever manifested himself? Is he one God or there are many? Those are the things we should be discussing. But that this earth came out of nothing is ridiculous. Yeah, you're getting my point. Now, so, that is faith. He said, what is faith? He that comes to God must believe that he is. I know he is. Even if you don't agree with me as a person, as a human being, not you here, you here, you, you agree with me, that's why you're here. Are you getting my point? <laughs> you agree with me. Even if you don't agree with me as a person, our disagreement should be on, did God reveal himself? Or, and how did he reveal himself? So we cannot be disagreeing on, he revealed himself through Jesus. Krishna is the manifestation of God and stuff like that. But that God is, come on, is without doubt. That one, you don't have to have any faith. I mean, it's common sense. It's scientific reasoning. Do you know it's scientific? If you know enough science, you know that the, the knowledge of God is scientific. God becomes a constant that can explain all other things that don't make sense. For example, why should the atom be together? It should have repelled itself long ago. Till now, that's what they are still calculating on why does the atom, the, the nucleus, remain together. God is that constant key. It makes sense. It makes sense. It's the name you call him that's the issue. Someone said to the unknown God, listen, for God that people just hate God. If you do enough physics calculation, you constantly come to the place for God. Instead of calling it K, you can call it G. That this is where the, the hand of somebody is obvious. You can call him somebody. You can't even say here. Now, please, I'm going to something. He said, it is only by faith we have understanding. Without that knowledge, we can't understand anything. Life is, it, it makes no meaning. And for those of us that have the revelation of Christ Jesus, alright, if we have the revelation of Christ Jesus, we carry that beyond the common level of just asking questions. What most religions do is just ask questions. Cross your leg and be meditating morning till night. Meditate for one generation and start a school of meditation. And you call it Buddhism. That's all it is. That's what Buddhism is. It's just questions. We believe that we have gone beyond the realm of questions. We have come to the realm of Christ. That Jesus is the revelation of God to us. And that the scriptures, alright, they've testified of him. And Jesus himself, you know, that's why I believe the Bible. In, just in case you don't know, say, why do I believe the Bible? I'll tell you, it's, the Bible is not the first thing I believe. It's Jesus that I believe first. It's Jesus that now gives credibility to the scriptures. Are you getting my point? He said, when he did do that, it's simple. He said, the Bible said he took, he used to quote number one from the scriptures. And the Bible tells us that he took the law, the prophet, and the Psalms and showed them things concerning himself. 
That's why I read Genesis to Malachi. You now say, why do you now read the, the other one? Of course, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it makes sense. That's the story of the life of Jesus, right? That one is common sense. Acts, again, it makes sense. Here's the continuation of the book of Luke, and then it tells us how this church started. The next question is Romans to Revelations. That one is also simple to answer. After he had taught his disciples, he gathered them. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He said, teach them to observe the things I have taught you. There is nothing you read from those people you will not find where Jesus taught them. That's what happened. Starting with uh, people like Peter, James, and John. Then Paul, Jesus came after resurrection and taught Paul. So what we have from Paul are the things that Jesus taught after resurrection. And then from the book of Revelations, we see another experience of the things that Jesus taught after resurrection. That's why we believe the Bible. What I told is what the Bible is. That's what the Bible is. I hope you're getting my point here. Now, so, for us, that is the revelation of God. So when we want to understand life, we go to scriptures and use the words there to understand life. You are getting the point here. And when we speak now, listen to me, that is how one way by which we inject faith into the environment. Everything that happens, we are careful not only to analyze them in the light of what Jesus has revealed to us in the scriptures, but to also feel like that. I don't know whether you're getting my point. What do I mean by feel? Let me explain the difference. Sometimes, you know, I teach some science. Do you understand? There are things I have to say, and I tell my students I don't believe it, but that this is the common scientific teaching. And you are going to answer questions. You are going to live life and answer questions when I'm not there to defend you. Are you getting my point? So learn this. I don't believe it too. There are many things I don't believe. You know, I see in that age is not a disease. You know, I've been saying it. I've been saying it for a long time. They are discovering it every day though. Yesterday I read BBC News, medical news. They analyzed some cyclists. And a man who was a cyclist, well, he's a cyclist, been a cyclist, but he's old now. At the age of 80, not only one, many of them, they analyzed them and found out that they have the same immune system as a 20-year-old. And they are 80. And I started laughing. I said, I said to you before, age is not a disease. They now found out that if people kept them, keep themselves active, their immune system does not go down. I said, sure, I don't talk about before. That age is not a disease. This was the, no. For those of you who use BBC, who read BBC News, you can, it's still there. It's still, you know, it takes a while for those things to roll off their page. It's still there. They checked the immune system of 80-year-olds who were very active. And they found out that, listen, these guys, their immune system is as strong as that of a 20-year-old able to fight disease and guess what? Fight cancer too. Age is not a disease. Before I read that, you know I knew long ago. If you've listened to me for long enough, you know I've been saying it for a very long time. Now, so, back to what I'm going to say. So, sometimes we just say some of those things and say, listen, guys, understand it. Another one, I, I must drop this one. How won't I drop it? When I was young, and I, as a young medical student, they would say that, when they're teaching us that, what they call problems of grand multiparity. Did they sit there that line? I'm asking you. Is there any gynecologist in the house? Okay. This is that if you have more than five children, these are the problems in your life. I didn't believe it one day. As we were saying it, I was saying, oh God, you don't read your Bible. That's what the problem is. Then one day I met a gynecologist. He told me that they have found out that amongst Jewish women, that those problems don't exist. That they found 
the Orthodox Jews, many of them having 10, 12, 13 children, and they don't have any problem. And as I'm laughing, as I have said it before, that the Bible says children are the heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is a reward, and it's a blessing to have plenty of them. It's scripture. I didn't write it. If you believe otherwise, you are a non-believer. Because you don't have any scripture to defend the one you believe. It's worthiness that's your problem. I have scriptures to defend mine. Yes. Like I always say, don't touch that scripture. What did I say? Don't touch that scripture. Just leave it alone. Even if you don't want to use it, leave it alone. There's somebody that sports cars are not good. How can you say that? But you know what? I don't like sports cars. They are good. They move fast. But my personal preference is for large vehicles that don't move. What, where are you running to? Take your life. Now, what I'm going to say that something can be good and you don't need it. Like Paul did not need a wife. You get the point? A wife was good, but he didn't need a wife. But he, you mustn't touch that scripture. He said it like, I wish everybody would be like me. Ambrose, we are not like you. Thank you. <laughs> the Lord is good. What am I trying to say? Let me just transit on my message. What I'm trying to say is this. Listen. So you see, I can teach some things and I don't really believe them. That's as in the medical level, you know, in the scientific level. And look, listen, again, I'm still sitting on it. Eventually, many of those that have disagreed with based on God's word, evidence has shown that I'm right. The word of God is always true. Do you understand my point? Uh-huh. Let me not sit. Many examples are coming to my head now. I don't want to just go there. Now, but when we are taking God's word, sometimes the word of God will say something. We are compelled as believers to agree on the surface and teach on the surface. But the truth is that do we really believe those things in our hearts? That's, that's the problem with Christians. That's why, you know, I've thought about it many times and I realized that hmm, God is merciful. If we're not for his mercies, we shouldn't get anything. Because sometimes you hear Christians talk. I told you last time that one of my brothers said that, ah, you know, as a black man, you're already disadvantaged. You. And that's a Christian. And God said, if I don't bless him now, he will say, the rest of them will think I'm not faithful. Why? Because he's been a believer since he was a teenager. He's been giving to the gospel. He has been speaking in tongues of men and tongues of angels on a daily basis for 30 years. Do you get my point? And he has been preaching from house to house. He fasts every month for three days dry and wait for five more days. So everybody says, God will prosper this one. And God says, come and see what's going on inside his heart. He said the blood of Jesus is not enough to give him advantage in life so that this black skin all right, becomes a more important disadvantage than the fact that he's redeemed. He doesn't believe it. You can pray all you want. If that's what's inside your heart, spiritually you're a second class citizen. You won't know why doors are closing against you. You say it's because I'm black. God says no. It's because of unbelief. Do you understand? I you want to know what people believe sometimes when they are giving counsel. A pastor was giving counsel to young women. He said, look, you can marry him as long as he's nice. It doesn't have to be a committed Christian. When I heard that one, I said, he's not a pastor. He's a Confucianist. People start saying things that one man preached one day. I said, my wife was there. He said, some of these things that we can only marry Christians, we have to rethink them. I only was saying, we have to rethink. Why do we have to rethink? They start stories of one man was a Muslim and they lived together happily ever after. And you are a pastor. 
People preach on the surface one thing. Inside their hearts, what they believe is different. That's what I'm saying we must not do. We must convert ourselves to feeling like God feels about things. Let me give you an example. You heard of headsmen attack, headsmen attack, headsmen attack. If you turn to Buhari and start shouting, you are a non-believer. That's a matter of fact. If you're a believer, you read how scriptures interpret those things. You remember the last headsman attack you found in your Bible. It was against whom? Job, thank you very much. That was how Job lost his things. Same thing, castle rustlers. Castle rustlers. Attacks. So instantly you start feeling like, listen, what is going on in our country? Where these people were not there before. On the surface, you must learn that life comes in different levels. The physical level is the lowest one. The spiritual level, you start wondering what is going on in the realm of the spirit. So when you want to talk, what is not your problem? It's the anger of God that is first in your heart. You say, what is going on? What have we done? How have we sinned? I hope you are getting my point. Remember we said, you will do what? Ascribe greatness to the Lord. What does that mean? You will remember that God is judge in this country. You will bear those things in mind. You will remember that he's judge. He's the ruler in the affairs of mankind. And anytime you talk, it must never be missing from your words. It's called ascribing what? Greatness to the Lord. Many Christians don't ascribe greatness to him. And for that reason, you know what they are doing? Listen to me. They are polluting the environment. And worsening the iniquity that is in the soil. I used the word soil. I knew what I was saying. Because the iniquity of mankind enters into the soil. It enters into the environment. It enters into the air. It enters, watch this, the ozone layer too. I'm not joking. The earth starts getting hot unduly. People now tell you that it's global warming. And why is it warming? What are the reasons for global warming? Let me ask a lawyer. He doesn't know any science. But just watch it. What are the reasons for global warming? CO2 what? Emission. Thank you. Emission of CO2. How do you know? You read it in Guardian News. You're a lawyer. You don't know any of these things. <laughs> I'm not emphasizing to you that that's how they've been lying. See, he has believed it. He doesn't know. He just accepted it. Did you know that in the 70s, the same CO2 emission was blamed for global cooling? If you want, I forward you the links to the publications. In the 70s, the same people came out and told us, that industrialization is leading to global dimming. That the amount of smoke in the air is causing the air to become dim. And because it's this dim, it's getting cold. Because the sun's rays cannot penetrate. Therefore, they said there is danger of poor harvest as the, nation, as the earth becomes colder. So too many places will not be able to produce food. And they started shouting, let us stop this industrialization now so we can warm back the globe so that we will not die from hunger. Can you believe this was just 40 years ago? It was in the newspapers everywhere. There was a time they asked, are we heading for another ice age? And they said, what is the reason? He says, because we are building too many industries. Have you noticed? It's the same things they are telling you now. It's causing global warming. That's why I ascribe greatness to the Lord. People say the <laughs> electric cars is the future. I say it's a lie. Just watch it. Internal combustion cars will come back. Because when you have 10 years of cold spell, everybody will forget. <laughs> and it's coming. Give it another three years. Everywhere is going to become so cold. You wouldn't believe it. 
When I say all those signs, I read my scriptures. And I'll say that the seasons are in the hands of the Lord. That's what I just say. That God appoints the seasons. There are times he will say, you know he said it, cold and heat will not cease. We're just in the hot seasons. He said cold season will not cease. The cold ones are coming again. Incidentally, they're already here. But no matter what we hear as believers, we always interpret life in the light of the word of God. No matter what happens to you as a person, you always interpret those things in the light of God's word. That is how you are spreading faith in the environment. That's what I'm trying to explain. Children of God, be careful how you talk so that you don't spread iniquity. Especially when you talk politics. Especially when you talk international affairs. Think about it. International affairs, um, what is our brother's name? Daniel. Thousands of years ahead, Daniel saw who would be the ruler. Daniel knew the kingdom that would be on top. Thousands of years ahead. Some of the hundreds of years after him. Some of them, thousands of years after him, Daniel will tell you that, listen, he went to the king, say, king, you say you are the head of gold. After you, will come the shoulder of silver. Then you have the belly of, um, what is it now? Is it bronze? Then the legs of mixture, uh, no, legs of iron, yes. Legs of iron. Then the feet, mixture of clay and iron. Do you know? He was describing those kingdoms one after the other. Each kingdom that came after the other, down to the legs of iron, which I know is the Roman Empire, because you understand they were strong and brutal and were everywhere. Do you understand? Those things were predicted hundreds of years, that is before they happened. Daniel saw them one by one. What was going to happen to the people of Israel? The angel came. And began to narrate. Listen, I read the narration. I was tired. <laughs> Don't get my point. That the king of the north will come. And the king of the south. These things happened hundreds of years after Daniel. And they were accurate to the point. Nothing missed. What does that tell you? Those kings did not decide their own destiny. Do you get my point? Why do we now speak as Christians? As if. Destiny is being decided now by the kings of today. Why do we speak that Babylon the Great was built by the might of Nebuchadnezzar? Why do we speak like that? So that when we see Nebuchadnezzar, we follow him. We say, this is a man who knows how to bring, build great kingdoms. He will build the future for my children. Why do we speak like that? What does that tell you? We have no faith. That's why the environment is being polluted. Because the people that are supposed to pour faith into it, they are not. They are not doing their jobs. What am I teaching? Children of God, henceforth, is an, listen, listen to this, is an assignment from God that you recognize his greatness, his hands in everything, and you speak as such. If you are a teacher of people, it must be prominent in your talk. I don't like biographies much these days. I don't. And I told you last time. Because people lie a lot in it. And sometimes they're not lying because they want to lie. They're lying because they are forgotten. In Nigeria today, if Ali Kudanguti writes a story of how he became very rich and how he made up his mind when he was 10, he would become rich in life. I won't read it. I know he's lying to me. 
He may think he's telling the truth, but I know he does not know the truth. Please, I hope you're getting my point. What am I saying? I'm challenging us because this is what God needs. You know, the other time we read the story of um, Joshua, how the battle of Ai was won. You understand? How it was lost and then how it was won. And how in everything we recognize that it's not Joshua that, made, that was a decider. It was not ministry strategy that was a decider. It was the hand of God. So that if anybody needed to affect anything, he needed to affect it spiritually, not in the realm of the physical. As agents of faith and light, listen to me, that's what I'm focusing on. We learn to talk like that. You sit down with your friends analyzing politics. Now, this is an assignment from God. You must analyze it, ascribing greatness to the Lord and ascribing righteousness to your maker. Next time you want to pray for a president, our president, you remember to tell God, you that appointed him. Listen, you don't do that, you are polluting the earth. Some people just believe that if a man doesn't do what they like, God did not appoint him. <laughs> that is what happens. And if he's not from the tribe you like, and if he's your own brother, God appointed him. Are you getting my point? If he appoints you into political office, God appointed him. If he doesn't, God did not appoint him. If he doesn't come to your church, God did not appoint him. But listen to me. No, that's unbelief. What did I call it? What did I call it? Unbelief. As believers, we owe it a duty. You know, there's something the Bible says. It said, those that may turn many to righteousness. That's the point I'm making. We have it. Because, you see, except we do this work, people keep on living in confusion. And as long as they are living in confusion, the blessing that God wants to bring into their lives, he can't. People hear a lot of noise. Young men and young women are drowning in the Mediterranean Sea, trying to swim across to Europe. Why? Somebody lied to them and explained to them that prosperity is abroad. But we have understood who is the God of prosperity. God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if anybody wants to prosper, he asks him for prosperity. That's it. That's all you can do. Listen, it's a gift of God. You work hard, you do the best you can, but to, for abundance to come into your life is purely what? A gift of God. I think I've, I've made my point. I don't have to keep us here till night. Let me summarize it. We have a duty. We have a duty to wipe out corruption from the environment. Please let me say this. I'm closing, all right? Each person, no matter how small, you must do your part. You must never, listen to this, you must not for any reason contribute to the iniquity. Are you getting what I'm saying? You must not for any reason contribute to the pollution that is already on the earth. That's what I'm going to say. That's number one. I have not preached today about that, actually. I have preached that we must constantly cleanse the earth through our faith and through the light that we are shining into the environment. But I just want to add that one to it. You must not. Everything you do is polluting the earth. It's affecting the earth. like that. It is. Every walk, listen to this, every walk of iniquity you do and every word of unbelief you speak is affecting the earth. There are statements that must never come from your mouth. You are praying for your country. There are things you must never say. When people are saying it, this country is a useless place. You've heard that before? I know you have said it before. Not you, but you. <laughs> but we can all agree on one thing. It will not happen again. Yeah, that's it. Now, this is what I'm making. Listen to me. Listen to this. You must never, 
contribute to the iniquity that is around. You must never utter words that show that you don't recognize the greatness of God in your life or in the environment. You must never utter words that reflect the fact that you think that politicians control who's ruling. I don't know whether you're getting my point. These are the things you do, and the earth keeps on getting polluted. And if we look for prosperity, we don't find it. Remember, let me end with this. Derek Prince said, in any nation where the church is established, who's head responsible for all the troubles in the country? Who? Church. The church. Now, when we call it the church, we feel like we can hide in the crowd. So let's leave the church out of this. Who's responsible? If you know the person, put up your hand. Now, can you please point to the person? Thank you. You are head responsible. Next time the government fails, just know that I am responsible. Each one of us individually. Because when we say the church, we point outside there. So listen to me. If I go to the market and I cheat somebody, I'm the reason why the government is failing. If I'm employed to do a job and I don't do it, I am the reason why the government is failing. If in my heart I curse the head of state, I am the reason why the government is failing. If I love, listen now, it's going to sound hard, but it's the truth. If I love America or Europe more than I love my country, I am the very, very reason, the exact reason, the pointed reason why the government is failing. If I would rather invest my country money in another country, let me say the one that you won't like to hear, but I'll say it. If I will enjoy a holiday in Dubai more than in Abuja, I'm the reason why the government is failing. If I feel more comfortable to spend thousands and thousands of dollars to entertain myself, my wife, and my children for two weeks, but I cannot spend that money in Calabar, I can't spend it in Abuja or in Enugu, I am the reason why the government is failing. Life is a battle of faith. No, it's faith. It's faith. This country, we so need people that have faith, faith in God for it. That it has been sustained till now. It's one, it's, it's one dross. Thank God for the 5,000 that God kept in the cave. I think they are the ones that have been sustaining the country. Pastors live in Lagos. They live abroad and pastor in Lagos. Listen, put your faith where your mouth is. Put your action where your mouth is. That's the point we are making. That's the point we are making. You see, anybody that's slack, the Bible says, brother to him that destroys. We have to be active in redeeming. God wants to redeem every land. I believe he has placed us here for a particular reason. Let's not start running up and down. Many of the places we are running to, we are begging for judgment. Matter of fact, let us pray. Let's pray, let's pray. Let's say, Father, we thank you. All right, let's just give, lift up our hands and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you because I am a vessel of not a vessel of wrath, but a vessel of mercy. Yes. Yeah, the mercy of God is in my life and is walking into the earth through me. The mercy of God is in my life and is walking into this earth through me. Say, Lord, I thank you for it. In the name of Jesus Christ. The strength to overcome is yours in Jesus' name. Amen. I declare you an overcomer in Christ Jesus in the Amen. name of Jesus. Amen. You're going out and you're coming in. Safety is your portion in the name of Jesus. Amen. Every affliction, every trouble, every pain that may want to stay on your body in agreement as people of the people of God and in agreement with what the Lord has done for us through the cross of Jesus Christ. 
Based upon that, we rebuke that pain now in the name of Jesus. I command troubles, recent troubles, chronic troubles to leave your bodies in the name of Jesus. You are healed from the top of your head to the soles of your feet in the name of Jesus Christ. Now listen to me. No evil will befall you. You will not die young. From every trouble in the environment, you are delivered. Trouble will not come into your home. Dangers of the road, on the road, they are not your portion in the name of Jesus. God will deliver you in your going out and in your coming in in Jesus' name. Don't worry, you are safe. What did I say? Yes, this week I want to travel. Don't worry. Is the road good? Don't worry. You are coming back late. Don't worry. It's well with you in the name of Jesus. The angels of God will guard and they will protect you. They will keep you from all the dangers on the road. And they will keep you from dangers in the home. In the name of Jesus Christ. In your kitchen there is safety. Your gas will not explode. Your roof will not fall on you. You will not be in a building that is collapsing. All around safety is your portion in the name of Jesus Christ. Prosperity is yours in Jesus' name. In all that you do, you will prosper. This week, God will open a door for you. A new level is awaiting you. Fear not. Don't be afraid to take the leap when it is necessary. Because a new level is awaiting you. In the name of Jesus Christ. And let's share the grace in fellowship. Because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, surely we are passed out of death and we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of multiplication, dominion, and shining forth in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, please bless three people around you. With that, this is your season of multiplication, dominion, and shining forth in the name of Jesus. Two more people. One more person. This is your season. One for yourself. This is my season. All right, cherub brethren. God bless you abundantly.